Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me. Jonathan Gannon's staff is the main topic. They've been hired, and now they've been introduced. Informally, as the past two days, every new phase plus a handful of holdovers were made available to the media. Also, the latest on DeAndre Hopkins and before the start of the new league year, which is Wednesday, March 15th. There is another new year to discuss. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 640, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So I'd say Danny is fresh off the scouting combine, but perhaps the better phrase is she's recovered from the scouting combine. Is that a better descriptive of what happened last week? You make it sound like we went off the wall crazy, which no, is not work. true. The, the work, work was a lot. was done 24-7. We did a lot of... We got, not we got the a, partying, the socializing. We, we were very productive, our department at the Combine at Indy. We were out there for five days, which not... It's going to sound like complaining. <laughs> I don't mean it that way. Like It feels like a month. Like For the days where it feels really monotonous of podium stuff, interviews, whatnot, like... The days somehow are long, and I also feel like you can't get a lot in. So I'm very glad our department, I feel like we got some really good stuff, some of which is already out on azcardinals.com or official YouTube channel. Others um, you'll see in the the upcoming episode of Flight Plan, our behind-the-scenes exclusive docu-series uh, that, that talks about and shows what's going on at that time within the organization. So the first episode on Flight Plan is out about the hiring of coaches, um, and the second one will be really combine-heavy. You, or I should say, Monty Ford and Jonathan Gannon both met the media 15 minutes, 20 minutes on Tuesday, but you also had a chance to sit down one-on-one with each of both the general manager and head coach. Not to spoil anything here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, but those have been posted and are available as well. Right. That was a lot more of draft philosophy focused of first time general manager, first time head coach, first time working together, the two of those at the combine and how they are blending old with new, how Monty Austin for it and his staff are utilizing the skill set and the knowledge done by the scouting department over the last year and not just coming in and like he's told us, you know, ripping the rug from out underneath them, but finding a way to put his touch on things while really making the most of of what that staff has done um and with Jonathan Gannon talking a lot about how he has made it clear he doesn't want to have a set scheme so how do you properly express the wants and needs of a player to the front office if that's the philosophy you have so those were some of the things that I got a chance to talk with uh the two of them in an interview um so that's on our YouTube channel azcardinals.com as well um yeah, I think it's a pretty good one. By the way, the rug will be ripped out after the draft as far as the process and the evaluation. Monty has made that very clear. He 
hinted about it during his introductory press conference. Michael Bidwell brought it up in his conversation on the Day Pass podcast. So I'm fascinating to know. Yeah, you always are excited around this time with the draft and free agency, but what might the process look like a year from now when you've had a year under your belts and the guys that you want and you want to remain an Arizona Cardinal player versus the pieces that you might still need if you are JG and the rest of the coaching staff to operate that scheme, whatever it may be, and we know it's going to be adaptable. That's been the big buzzword when he's asked about the offense or defense. I think it'll be interesting how much of a look we get of that adaptability and the types of players they want before the draft with moves that are made in free agency, whether that's current Cardinals that are pending free agents or veterans around the league. I think that could be pretty telling of the type of players that they're bringing in um, and, and what they're trying to build here. Yeah, actions speak louder than words. And what this team does, moves-wise, or players that get linked to the Cardinals in free agency and then who gets drafted we all think X player might be the best solution, best player for the Cardinals, but it might not fit with what this coaching staff wants to do, a specific type of player for what they want to do this season and hopefully 10, 15 years from now. Yeah, I, again, like I, it's, it's so hard to know now because I'm not even sure that this coaching staff, they probably have a good idea, but they're still going through their own evaluation process of the players that are on this roster. And it's hard when you're not able to see them out on the field and you're really just having to rely on tape. Um, Adaptability seemed to be the word, not just with Jonathan Gannon, but with offensive, defensive, and special teams assistant coaches that we got a chance to talk with this week. So that seems to be the theme of not necessarily putting players in a box of where they're going to fit, where they're, you know, really looking at their skill set. And I don't think they would a lot of players will become the hybrid in the sense of an Isaiah Simmons, but I think maybe being more flexible. I think that's the perfect word because you want that ability in the event something changes, something happens, a player goes down, you want that versatility. You always like that versatility on the interior of an offensive line, even on a defensive line. But on the subject of what happened on Wednesday specifically, we got a chance to meet the defensive and special teams staffs We got the offense on Tuesday. We can touch on all three, but you mentioned the word adaptability, and you kind of look at where these coaches have come from, specifically Gannon and Nick Rollis, Philadelphia. Defensively, last year, and I went back and looked it up, they were a 4-3, meaning they started four defensive linemen in 14 of the 17 regular season games. Vance Joseph ran a 3-4, three down linemen. Now, Gannon was asked about that on Wednesday. Darren Urban, our colleague, asked about that. You know, what what do you foresee? We hear about this blueprint. You have a plan that you want to execute, and then are you able to execute that plan? And Gannon was very specific. Quote, we're going to do what's best for our players. And then he mentioned it's our defense. It's the players' defense. There's going to be a lot of collaboration, I think, in those meeting rooms before these players and coaches get on the football field for the first time in OTAs. That that seems right on track with what we have heard from Gannon. And it was brought up in one of his press conferences. We've been we've been lucky to I feel like we've had a you know a good amount of chances to hear from the new Cardinals head coach to where I don't know which one off the top of my head, but I do remember it was the question was phrased originally regarding Kyler Murray. And 
him not being able to physically be out there in the offseason, OTAs, minicamp, and how you acclimate your franchise quarterback into this new system, making sure he's ready, he has chemistry. And Gannon had talked about how they're not just going to push their players on the field, but also in the meeting room. So he's going to make sure not just Kyler Murray, but every player when they step onto the field, they know what they're doing. And it's not just regurgitating or memorizing what's being told to these players, but calling them up in the meeting rooms and having them explain things to make sure they understand it and everybody's on the same page. And saying that it's not going to be easy. The meetings are not going to be easy. It's not going to be just getting by and, you know, something to check off on your to-do list for the day, but actually making the most of those meetings. And so that doesn't surprise me in the, in the you know, wanting to get the most of those so everybody's ready to go when you step out onto the field. I believe the word Gannon used was, we're going to stress the players, that phrase. And I do think there's going to be some uncomfortable moments, but being uncomfortable doesn't have to be a bad thing. Sometimes you learn more about yourself in those moments in which you're figuratively speaking up against the wall and trying to figure out what is being asked of you and then wondering can I really do that push yourself to a limit that maybe you never thought you'd be able to reach and get that talent out of you onto the football field Craig Greeley licensed therapist are we still talking about football Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. All the time here on Cardinals Cover 2. I'd offer no other advice whatsoever than what happens on the football field. Okay, for, for legal purposes, that's fine. Good advice either way. On the football field, off the football field, being uncomfortable and growing. That was my point. Do you, do you need help, Danny? Do we need to have a conversation no, off that, air? No, okay. but that's okay if you do. <laughs> it is. That's it's true. Okay. Nothing wrong with asking for help <laughs> or needing a little assistance along the way. Speaking of assistance... Jonathan Gannon's staff, offense, defense, and special teams. 15 new faces walking around the hallways here. We got a chance to meet each of those 15 new faces over a 48-hour period. I'm not sure a lot of the coaches will remember our names. At least I hope they recognize our faces. But all great guys, all very young. I mean, the oldest is defensive line coach Derek LeBlanc, who's 48 years old and told me that Nick Rollis called him Grandpa Whew. earlier in the week. And I looked at him and I was like, is that going to stick? He's like, I certainly hope not. Man, I, you, can, you can feel that. You can feel that there is a shift in energy around the building. Again, not a knock to the previous coaching staff, but it just, you can feel like almost a breath of fresh air, like so much energy. And it feels genuine. It doesn't feel like the kind of energy of like, oh, I just drink an energy drink. Like, I've got all this energy for just right now. And then if you come find me in a couple hours, like, I'm going to be crashing. Like, this feels like genuine excitement and, like, the, the desire to be here and to succeed. And I, I don't know if that's a good explanation of, like, the energy that it feels like, but it feels like this is not just fake. Like, oh, I'm just happy to be here until the hard work starts. Like, it feels just different. And there was a lot of honest answers when you just went up to whatever position coach it was. And a lot of them have only been here a matter of days or this is their first full week in the building. They joined the team in Indianapolis. The scouting combine was their first official act as an Arizona Cardinal. So they're still getting their feet wet. And you ask, you know, not too much specific about their position room, but there's a lot of learning and getting to know, and nothing's been set. There's been an idea, 
but there's been no, all right, this is what we're going to do. It's, I think this might work. Let's try this. It's, it goes back to that being adaptable. Most of these coaches don't even have homes yet. <laughs> Most of them are still, their their wives, their families are coming back and forth because they keep having to look at houses. That's how short of a time they've been here. Um, but it, they all seem to be on the same page from a philosophy standpoint of what it sounds like this coaching staff is going to stress to the players of in the front office, going back to Monty Austin-Fort's introductory press conference of no egos, that this is about the team. And that was something when I got a chance to talk with defensive coordinator Nick Rawls about was that I, I asked him about the strengths of this defensive coaching staff because experience in terms of years in the NFL might not be high compared to the rest of the league. Some are coming from college or elsewhere or our first time in their respective roles out here. And he said that the strength is everybody understanding that it's the team first. I can come to you with an idea and if it's not going to work, I got to be okay with that. If I come to you with an idea and it gets modified, I got to be okay with that. It's not about me and just being my idea and my idea is working. And that's something that he says that they have already been on the same page about is what, again, what we've heard the players are going to be told, which is putting the team before yourself. Having an open mind, being willing and okay with that back and forth. You don't always have to agree, but at least if you have a difference of opinion on a scheme or a player, you're able to say why and have that conversation. And Gannon has mentioned those. First, it was during the interview with Monty Austin Ford about having that you know uncomfortable conversation, if you will, about a certain subject, and now going through the free agency meetings having those same discussions on what one person might think fits better versus another. And that's where you come to a common ground and you get that best player on the football field. Yeah, and they, they, it seems like they will also really stress the person off the field. High capacity, high character. That is, if we've learned one thing the last few weeks, that is head coach Jonathan Gannon's life motto, at least when it comes to coaching. His, his coaching motto, I would say, at least. Um, so it seems like that's going to be a high priority as well. And that was something he's talked about, not just with players, but also with the coaches he was looking to bring in. You brought up the college experience of a lot of these coaches. There are five coaches of the new 15. So a third of the new faces have zero experience in the NFL. And that includes both secondary coaches, Patrick Tony and Ryan Smith. Now, on the surface, this has been a talking point for a number of weeks as far as how young and inexperienced this staff is. I went back and looked. 12 of the entire, illegally the entire coaching staff, 12 are under 40 years old. But it's the lack of NFL experience. And when you do something different, people have a tendency to already say, well, that's not going to work. Well, we're not going to know until the season begins. We're not going to know for maybe a year or two. If you win on Sunday, then it doesn't matter how old you are, how much experience or lack thereof. But a conversation that I had earlier this week was tight ends coach Ben Steele, who's one of the older coaches. He's 44 years old, so I still have him by four years. But the experience or the lack thereof potentially could be a benefit given where this league is headed. The league is getting younger, more athletic, and perhaps those coaches that come from college have a better are able to better relate to this generation of player as opposed to 
back in the day, Ron Wolfley, two-a-days, full pads, Monday through Friday. Things are much different even 10 years ago, and things are always evolving to maybe being younger could be a benefit. Gannon himself said that the league is getting younger. So I don't see the hiring of these coaches that don't have NFL experience as feeling desperate, maybe as as the last head coach being hired and not feeling like you have options. It seems very intentional as to why these coaches that only have college and not NFL experience were brought onto this coaching staff. Gannon brought up the fact that he wanted to be, quote, ahead of the curve. And perhaps he's seen something down the road where more and more NFL teams bring in those coaches who have college backgrounds because of the offensive schemes that we're now seeing in the league. And then that works on defense as well. All right. How do you defend what colleges are doing? And if you try to utilize that on the pro level and Gannon brought up the fact that how many times and I've seen this for a number of years. How many times in the offseason do you see NFL teams invite college coaches? And there's a good collaboration on both because both pick each other's brains. But the NFL coach asking, all right, we like what you do. How do we make it work here? And then on the flip side, how do we fend what you guys do that we're having difficulty stopping on Sundays? He didn't even joke that when he grew up playing football, your most athletic player on the team didn't play quarterback. That's not the case anymore. And I, I don't necessarily know that people might feel this way, but I don't think you can make the same comparison with these coaches that don't have NFL experience to the way things panned out hiring Cliff Kingsbury as your head coach with no NFL experience. The difference being your head coach has NFL experience, his coordinators. Most of the coaching staff does have experience. Now, is that the most of other teams combined? No. Are a lot of these coaches first time in their respective roles? Yes. But that doesn't mean they don't have the knowledge or the right skill set or the right leadership traits to be successful. So not necessarily saying that people are putting two and two together, I guess, of all of these coaches that don't have NFL experience and being hesitant of that. Like I don't I don't think that means that they can't be the right fit here and they can't elevate this team because at the end of the day, things were not working out with what it was before. And you always try to do something or you typically do something different to try to get it back on track that wasn't working. Now, I was very open. I wanted I, My preference was a head coach with previous head coaching experience just because that's what you do. You kind of do the 180. Jonathan Gannon doesn't have that but he's been a coordinator in this league he's been in this league and yeah you got two first-time coordinators on offense and defense and you would have liked perhaps maybe from the outside wanted that veteran on the coaching staff whether on offense or defense but you do have it on special teams in Jeff Rogers and Gannon specifically brought up Rogers earlier on Wednesday how much he's leaned on Jeff because of Rogers is now going into his 20th year in the league working for, I believe I, he said, six different teams or five different teams, six different head coaches. So he's he's been around. He's seen things. He understands. And you want guys who have that experience on game day when things are happening live and you have to make those quick decisions. So I do like the fact that 
maybe you don't have that guy on offense or defense, but you do have it in Jeff Rogers, who, yeah, is a special teams coordinator, but also the assistant head coach. Right, and, and he's had that role before. And the Cardinals have a long list of pending free agents, a good amount on special teams. So having that knowledge is going to be important as well when it comes to the decision-making process of are you going to resign an Aaron Brewer or a Matt Prater? Or are you going to start to look elsewhere? Um, and I think that Jeff Rogers has done a good job with his role over the last couple years adjusting to adversity and finding a way to make things work. Last year was obviously all in all, it's, it was a dumpster fire. That's what it is. I'm not just saying special teams. I'm saying adversity and injury as a whole for the team. But I do think that Rogers has done a good job in his role the last couple of years. And so that, that makes sense to me that Gannon would want him here and that Rodgers would want to stay here. Spencer Whipple is back helping in the wide receiver room, helping Drew Terrell, who's the passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach. And to date myself here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Terrell comes from the Washington Commanders, but he is a local kid. Went to Chandler Hamilton High School. Danny, I covered him in high school and his two state championships. Yes. And I did bring it up to him as well. I had no shame in bringing it up, but yeah, it's good to have the local boy back, but yeah, now you're realizing that, okay, people that you covered in high school have gone through high school, gone through college, maybe some pro, and now have started their college or their coaching experience, and here he is on the offensive side of the ball. No, that's pretty cool. I like that being him. I wonder how he felt when you told him that. He smiled. Reminisced a little bit about Hamilton and then head coach Steve Bellis. So, look, it was one, he was a phenomenal athlete. It's a phenomenal football program. And that's the purest form of football is on the high school level. And it's good to see guys succeed. And there's been a number of Cardinal players in that locker room that have come from Arizona high schools. But now to have a coach, it's it was a little interesting. Does it make you feel old? Is that what you're saying, Craig? No, not as old as Darren, but... <laughs> <laughs> Old enough, if you will. Do we want to bring up age? No. No? Okay. Let's not bring up age. Just keep it to the coaching experience yes, please. or the lack thereof. Yes, please, okay. Craig. Um, by the way, before I forget, on the scouting combine, as much of good content that was produced and we've seen, I did hear that there was one negative reaction to your tiny mic which was phenomenal, by the way. If you yes. haven't seen it, go to azcardinals.com, all the social media platforms. But Tiny Mike was not enjoyed by one particular person who may or may not be here in a few weeks, but he believes that Tiny Mike is his there, intellectual property. There is a chance I have found my way onto the bad side of wide receiver Antoine Tweezy Wesley, who is known for Tweezy Tiny Mike and is phenomenal at it. Uh, when I was walking Thursday through the weight room um, to get to the the press conference to hear from the coaches, Tweezy was working out, and I hear, hey, 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 and I turn around, and I kind of stop, like, are you talking to me? And he was like, we need to talk about Tiny Mike. And I looked at him, I was like, Tweezy, I am not trying to replace you. I said, do you want to go to Indy for a week and be at the Combine? And he said, No. And I said, okay, I was just filling in for you. And he goes, my fans say it wasn't the same. And I said, yeah, don't worry. I saw I saw all those comments on Twitter too, Tweezy. Don't you worry. But I, I 
I let him know. I assured him that, like, I am not coming for his tiny mic job. I was just filling in. I am aware that he is much better at it than I am. It can stay his, assuming he comes back. That's right. He is one of the 30 unrestricted free agents, so maybe we can work this into his contract if he indeed is back for next season. But I didn't realize I didn't realize Tiny Mike his the, his fan his Tiny Mike fans. I'm just I mean, it is a great job. He did it great in the locker room with the LeBron versus MJ following J.J. Watt at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. So he does a very good job. I think his interview skills are phenomenal because he has a different tact than what you and I would be able to get away with. But I thought you did a great job. If it's filling in, that's fine. But I do think he better watch his back. Thank you, Craig. I appreciate the support. It was good. Tiny Mike at the Scouting Combine. Now the question is, what's the next iteration of Tiny Mike? Mm, that's a good question. It might depend on whether Tweezy's back or not. I should have asked him to get the scoop. That's right. Break the news on Tiny Mike. <laughs> By the way, uh, speaking of the wide receiver room, did you happen to catch DeAndre Hopkins on the Pat McAfee show? And did you realize that there are a number of people wondering about the future and the status of one D-Hop? I saw clips of it online. Um, This has been a discussion for weeks. This is something that was brought up to both Jonathan Gannon and Monty Awesomefort on the podium at the Combine in Indy last week. And it it feels like I think it's clear we can, you know, assume that they are probably at least taking phone calls about trade options for DeAndre Hopkins, who no longer has the trade clause in his contract because it's been voided after his suspension. But the way that Austin Ford and Gannon were answering the questions, someone straight up asking Gannon, will Hopkins be on the roster come this season? And him saying, I'm not sure. Doesn't sound like what you would say if you are planning on keeping the player, but you are still open to hearing trade options. It sounds like this team is very open and sounds like they will likely, if they get the right offer, make a trade. It's just a matter of what can you get. The reports are saying that the highest would be a second rounder. Um, I don't know if that surprises me. I also feel like I wouldn't be surprised for a first rounder, but, but the problem becomes... Hopkins contract in the last few years nothing is fully guaranteed so he's going to want something reworked and that all comes into play what also was interesting was all we know is awesome Fort talking about how he has met with Hopkins and his team well Hopkins didn't use an agent last time so now it sounds like he is using one so that was interesting as well Hopkins didn't shed any more lights on his future, said right now the Arizona Cardinals is the team and roster that I'm on. So he didn't further fan the flames as far as what's going on with Deha. But as much noise as there's out there, it almost seems to me, and this is just to me, that it's almost inevitable that Hop gets dealt, whether before the draft during the draft or after the draft, and if you can perhaps get that first-round pick, a late first-round pick from one of those teams from 25 to 32, like really 31 because the Dolphins don't have a first-round draft pick. They got theirs taken away. But a team that feels it's one player away and specifically a number one wide receiver, yes, Hop is getting there up in age as far as being in his 30s. But despite the time that he missed, the six games – that he missed because of a suspension the last two games because of a knee injury. Danny, he still led the team in receiving. 
just over 700 receiving yards. Now that says more probably about the Arizona Cardinals and the struggles offensively, but I do believe D-Hop is still a very capable wide receiver. There's no question if Hopkins is not on this roster, that is a massive hole to fill, as if the Cardinals don't already have enough. Right now, there's no size without Hopkins out wide. There, there just isn't. Hollywood Brown, Rondo Moore, even if you bring back Tweezy, you need someone who might not be at the same caliber as Hopkins, but is at least close when it comes to those contested balls. Because right now, without Hopkins, the Cardinals don't have that. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's hard because I could understand both sides of it, of what you could get from a trade with Hopkins and it sounds like that is something he wants. I remember right after the season ended, he posted something kind of cryptic on social media, essentially like thanking Cardinals and, and wanting out. Um, but that's a really big hole to fill. And the fact that you will not have your starting quarterback for however many games to start the season, just the idea of also not having Hopkins, no disrespect to the other receivers. It's just, it's like, come on. It's just going to be another hole to fill. And they already have so many. Without saying anything, again, goes back to actions speak louder than words. If Hopkins does get dealt, I think it does speak to how long perhaps Kyler Murray is going to miss and where this team is headed in 2023 with the new GM, new head coach, and trying to figure out where this team goes and how much, how long it might take to get this team back in the postseason. Yeah, there are quick turnarounds year to year, two years for the Philadelphia Eagles to go from four wins to the Super Bowl. But it took two seasons, two full seasons. You don't bring back DeAndre Hopkins, you're right. You do not have a number one wide receiver currently on the roster. I, I don't Hollywood? Th- I don't I don't think Hollywood Brown right now. He has not shown okay, fair. in the Cardinals uniform that he is that number one talent. Now perhaps he can be, but right now going into a season without D Hop, maybe just he would be the de facto number one because you'd have no other option. But to me, what I've seen, not with the Baltimore Ravens, but just his one season here with the Cardinals, he is not a number one wide receiver. No, I think I think that's fair to say. Um, it's just it, it almost feels like not necessarily that like you're you're starting off the same way last year did, where you already felt a little defeated with how much the team went through um this is obviously different from a business side of things and maybe maybe this is the right call maybe the cardinals who are taking phone calls with the third overall pick right now maybe you keep it and trading hopkins is how you get that draft capital and then you find a veteran in free agency if it's for one or two years and you go from there maybe that's the way around it you are a better team with DeAndre Hopkins than you are without. No question. And it's just a matter of, yeah, financials play a role in this, but when you're the head coach, you're the offensive coordinator trying to game plan week to week, and you're looking and like, okay, how long is Kyler Murray going to be out? And I think that's another topic as far as what this team does at the quarterback position. You go out and sign a free agent, a quote-unquote name free agent, because Colt McCoy is dealing with whatever minor procedure that he dealt or had at the end of the season. Speaks to whoever the whoever that quarterback is that they bring in. To me, once again, actions speak louder than words. Will speak to me how long Kyler Murray is expected to be out. One week, one month, half the season. So if they don't bring in another quarter, well, 
They bring in another quarterback. Well, one, they're going to have to. Right, where I'm just saying, I'm thinking, right, you always like the Trace McSorley and David Blau. So, but if you're saying, like, it could be a good sign if they don't bring someone to start over Colt McCoy. Correct. Okay. Because I can see that. Colt has shown you over a three- he can get you by a couple week, games. Yes, right. but if it's eight to ten, and again, no disrespect to Colt, but I just don't think he has that- He's not at that point in his career to where he could go 10 games. And again, once again, I'm not saying Kyler Murray is going to miss 10 games. We don't know anything. We do know that he's been in the facility every single day. We've seen him in the past three days this week working on getting back healthy. But one, you don't want to rush it. Two, this is an injury that takes time to heal and everyone heals on their own time, especially with his skill set and his ability to be unique because of his legs. Yeah, absolutely. There, There's no reason to rush him in and possibly have more long-term damage or not feel ready or Kyler Murray not feel like he can trust the staff putting him in position to not be successful. I agree 100%. It is something to keep an eye on, though, as free agency begins next week, the new league year on March 15th. What names are brought in? What names are kept? If I'm in charge, Danny, Zach Allen is coming back. And after that, you know, there's that would be my, my number one, and then everyone else can kind of fall in line. But I don't think this team is going to be or should be major players in free agency when you talk about that big splash as I use air quotes here that no one can see here's the hard thing is even if you're not a quote-unquote big player in free agency you're not making those splash signings there's still a a lot of pieces that have to be put into place you have one starting offensive lineman from last year who's under contract now you have Josh Jones who this is what year four for him he's entering. At, at this point, you, you you have to make him a starter. But you have to rebuild an entire offensive line. You talked about you got to find some quarterback to bring in. I'm not sure how likely cornerback Byron Murphy, how likely it is he comes back. I would imagine he seems like he wants to test the market. Now, coming off the year he did with the back injury and not having a lot to show, he might not get it. He might get a one-year prove-it deal, whether that's here, whether that's somewhere else. Maybe that's with a place like Denver, where defensive coordinator Vance Joseph is now. Um, I'm not sure how likely Byron Murphy comes back. So there's, and, and the defensive line, again, has to be, you have to find those pieces. So there's just a lot. And then I think with free agency, I think you have to bring in a veteran edge rusher. Yes. So even if you're not making these splash signings, you still have to be active. There's going to be a lot of moving parts. We've already seen it with the release of Robbie Anderson. I'm expecting probably more roster movement before the new league year. And by the way, speaking of next or the new league year, there is another new year about to happen for one of us on Saturday. So from all of us here on Cardinals Cover 2, Danny, as I embarrass the heck out of you as your face gets all flush, an early happy 27th birthday. Aw, am I really at the point in my life where you're having to lie about how old I'm turning? I wasn't even going to bring that up. I was just going to let that hang and not say how many times you've turned 27. Thank you, Craig. I appreciate it. You have read the newsletter. I didn't realize how many people read the newsletter that HR sends out because I've had <laughs> you're the third person in the last day that has come up to me at the office making a comment about my birthday. So thank you. I appreciate it. Big plans? 
Nothing too big. Dinner, going out with some friends, that's about it. Bringing Tiny Mike with you? Oh, gosh. that You know what? That would be funny. That's an idea. I'm not going to say can, no. I can see the wheels spinning. I can, I can I see that. I don't know if we would get content that anyone would want to put out. Definitely not on the Cardinals channel. Oh, no. But... Your personal <laughs> social media accounts. Instagram, TikTok, that's, that's, Twitter. That's a thought, Craig. That's okay. a good thought. I'll look forward to that on uh, <laughs> Saturday night, early Sunday morning, perhaps. A special edition of Danny Sarek and Tiny Mike. I'm sure Antoine Wesley would appreciate that. I don't know if he would. He doesn't seem like he would at the moment. Okay. Well, Tiny Mike, Bird Gang, look forward to it. Coming to coming to your social media platform sooner than you think. Yeah, exactly. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.